This is the Data Center Frontier Show, where we tell the story of the data center industry and its future. Our show is hosted by Rich Miller, the editor of Data Center Frontier. And now here's Rich with our show. My guest today is Ernest Popescu of Iron Mountain Data Centers. Uh, Ernest, welcome to the Data Center Frontier Show. Hey, Rich. Thanks for having me. Glad to be on. Tell us a little bit to start with about uh, about your your position at uh, at Iron Mountain and what you do with the company. Of course, yeah, I joined Iron Mountain about four and a half five months ago now. I think uh, as the uh, VP Site Development or Head of Site Development for data centers. My responsibilities are pretty simple. It's to help drive site selection, to the origination of sites, strategic direction in terms of uh, site selection and development that the company takes and uh, help support hyperscale growth. I always like to, to ask about our guests' uh, data center journey. Tell us a little bit about uh, your background in, in the data center industry and your, your sort of journey to this point. The way I got into the industry is pretty straightforward. Um, I joined Amazon.com, so I'm the retail division of Amazon about nine, 10 years ago now, and uh, worked on developing all sorts of odd flexible storage and throughput fulfillment center solutions for Amazon. Did that for a few years. I think the uh, the role in Amazon's scale outgrew some of the innovation and creativity that we were um, that we were working with. And um, as a result, I wanted to turn my attention to what I thought was a um, an interesting business, the AWS data center business. I got into data center capacity planning. So basically taking um, service customer forecasts, converting them into normalized instances, servers, racks, and ultimately, you know, cabinets, space, power, you know, water and cooling connectivity, um, and, uh, you know, planning AWS's capacity globally, uh, which was formative, uh, a great, you know, sort of gateway into the data center world. Um, great learning experience and opportunity. And uh, and from there, it sort of uh, propelled me into doing what I used to trigger other teams to do, which is to actually go and develop and contract for capacity to meet demand. Capacity planning is a, a really important and uh, a really interesting uh, specialization it's always difficult to to predict the future in your case. And in the case of, I think, most of the, the folks in the hyperscale game these days, there's also usually a lot of data to, to work with to try and uh, see what uh, the past can tell you about uh, the future needs. What are, the, what are the key elements for a capacity planner in trying to figure out uh, how you plan for future and the future in such a, a high growth uh, area? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think inherently any forecast is wrong. I think the measure of a good forecast is by how much it's wrong. And the best you can hope for is that you sort of have a, a cone, sort of a baseline and a high side in terms of predicting future demand. It's such an explosive industry. The demand is completely independent. You can't tie it back to anything, you know, and 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 then the past is is isn't necessarily a good indicator of what the future outlook's going to look like because it's a nascent industry. 
And it's one that's, you know, constantly accelerating with a, a sort of growing base or denominator. What's interesting, and, and frankly, if I could, you know, sum it up to a lesson learned, I, I think, um, I think it's folly to believe that the forecast is going to be right, you know, and I think the best you can do is uh, try not to operate in a just-in-time manner, particularly from an infrastructure side, because from a total CapEx deployment, the infrastructure, you know, is less than 10% of the overall investment if you start factoring in servers and the actual hardware required to operate a data center from a hyperscale perspective. What, what we did was we started um, breaking down the different components of uh, infrastructure development, meaning we contracted land, which was cheapest sort of two-way door reversible decision, you know, the furthest out, you know, five to 10 years out, you know, doing some of the earthwork, groundwork, you know, five, six years out, you know, shell four or five years and actually deploying the MEP in a just-in-time manner, you know, work best. Um, so that, that, that's sort of, you know, what, what I would attribute probably AWS's success to in terms of being able to, to forecast accurately and, and, and something that, you know, we're trying to replicate and adopt here at Iron Mountain. One of the real challenges, I think, is the unpredictability of, of demand. And we had a really interesting couple of years here in terms of uh, demand drivers uh, shifting suddenly. Uh, certainly COVID-19 uh, brought up a, a, a pretty good test of everyone's ability to plan ahead and have some flexibility in, in capacity management. It seems like uh, you know most of the the, the large players uh, had some surplus capacity. Uh, how do you think about that from a capacity planning and in terms of not just seeing what the trends have been and maybe what you have right in front of you, but uh, uh, being able to to you know be ready and plan for outlier events? I think you know part of what attracted me to Iron Mountain is that they're strategically positioned to offer a value proposition to the market that very few providers are able to. Um, you know, first and foremost is, is the fact that they offer a suite of services, which can be interpreted as either an a la carte menu or uh, as an opportunity to, to, to sort of one-stop shop for all of your, you know, physical, logical storage, compute needs, uh, and also the asset lifecycle management of your hardware. So that, that to me is, is a really interesting differentiator and, and, and one, one that I think is, is key in an otherwise fairly commoditized industry. Uh, the other is that I think Iron Mountain is sitting on 1,400 records management locations, you know, which, which is in, in prime metro areas globally, which is a fantastic opportunity to digitize that um, real estate portfolio and, you know, convert it to data centers. So. Um, I think the best you can hope for is to position, you know, site selection bets in locations where you think the market is headed. You know, I think we 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 obviously are 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 competing in the so-called tier one markets, Nova, Northern Virginia, you know, Phoenix, London, Frankfurt, Amsterdam. Those markets tend to get congested, you know, quickly. They're hyper competitive which drives the cost of land development and scarcity of resources. So, so, you know, part of my challenge and, you know, part of the uh, ambitions that Iron Mountain has is to 
uh, break away from the pack. You know, we'll continue to play in those markets, but we also want to offer services, um, infrastructure in tier two emerging markets and in edge markets, which is really where the industry is headed. Yeah, that's really fascinating because one of the ways that Iron Mountain is uh, Iron Mountain is different from a lot of the other data center service providers is that it really got its start in the in the enterprise sector and then expanded into the data center sector where there are a lot of companies that are really sort of real estate development specialists but as a result of that it's got the the legacy from its it's a document storage business where uh, it has uh, locations, as you said, all over the world. Real estate is, is a, an interesting, uh, it's an interesting capability for Iron Mountain compared to some of the other players in, in the industry who have to go and get real estate or think about what, what the next uh, you know, property is that they have to acquire. Yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating company. And, and you know, what, what, what makes, again, Iron Mountain so attractive and, and, you know, I think there's a lot of pent up growth that, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll be able to achieve. And, and, and then, you know, it also has a lot of ambitions and I have ambitions to, you know, make us a contender, you know, over the next few years in, in every, you know, major market and in every sort of vertical. Um, to your point, you know, very few companies offer enterprise, retail, co-location, hyperscale, built to suit services. And again, I think that's one of the other elements that differentiates Iron Mountain. It's that it's willing to play and it wants and is playing in all of those different uh, sort of go-to-market products, which is, uh, again, you know, really uh, a key differentiator from the rest of the competition. So let's talk about site selection for a little bit. Uh, At the beginning of uh, 2022, each year we do a a forecast, we look at, we call it eight trends that will shape the data center industry this year. And in 2022, it seemed like a bunch of the trends were all related one way or another uh, to site selection, uh, seeing the challenges in the availability of land, of power, of water in some markets uh, at a time where the, the demand is by historical standards kind of off the charts. What do you see as the challenges in, in site selection, or both the challenges and maybe the opportunities in, in site selection in, in your new position? The challenges are more or less the same for all providers. It, you, you know, obviously land is finite. You know, I think, I think land where it matters is even more finite. You know, every customer has different latency requirements, restrictions that, you know, make it more or less landlocked. And, and, and that's where a lot of the industry is focused on. Uh, but, but I think, you know, as, as finite as land is, continental U.S. and the Americas are, are huge. You know, there, there's, there's such breadth of, of available land and resources you know, I think, again, going back to my point, I think what, what, what we strive to do is to lead the path, not follow it. Um, so that, the, the challenge is to identify sites and locations that are going to be attractive. And by attractive, I mean, you know, well-connected in terms of fiber path diversity that have, you know, utilities that aren't constrained in terms of power or water, you know, being creative in terms of design and, you know, using waterless, you know, closed loop 
chilling systems, renewable energy, uh, minimizing your, your your sort of carbon footprint. I mean, there, there, there are a ton of things. And, and, then, and then obviously, you know, gravitating towards where there are favorable economic incentives. I think there's a lot we can do to lead and drive the market away from constraint, constraints, um, which, which again, yeah, I think typically the industry hasn't done a very good job of, I think the industry has done a very good job of following almost in a predatory nature where hyperscalers are expanding. And, and I get it, you know, I think it's a strategy, but, but honestly, I think the, the long-term winning strategy is gonna be to uh, lead the market by identifying locations that are favorable for data center development that are gonna make it attractive for hyperscalers to build there. Let me ask about the role of the network in, in site selection, because, you know, if you go back a ways, when I, I started covering the industry back when we had sort of carrier hotels in downtowns, uh, that were the the center of gravity. It seems like the uh, the uh, real estate often sort of coalesces around the network meeting points. Uh, sure, everybody loves latency, but when you run out of real estate around these locations or or power, as we're we're seeing in some places now, uh, is it is it easier to bring the network to a uh, a spot uh, that has the other attributes? Because uh, it seems like you know, moving beyond the uh, the sort of core markets and, and carving out some opportunities uh, in surrounding sub-markets is, uh, is one way to look at this. To, you know, how does the network piece fit into that? Yeah, great, great question. So, so I'll, I'll answer it this way. I, I think, you know, I think the, the future is the quote-unquote edge, then overused term that gets thrown around pretty loosely. But I'll, I'll, I'll exacerbate that trend by throwing it around a little bit. So, so I think the future of the industry is edge, meaning that there really aren't many mega regions left. The Virginia's, the, um, you know, Oregon, the Columbus, the, you know, the, the mega regions in Europe. I, I think most of the load is going to be carried by uh, metros, the idea being that we're, we're all of the hyperscale cloud providers are going to try to bring their services to the consumer rather than have the consumer, you know, bring their workloads to their regions uh, because of, you know, again, Internet of Things, you know, everything requires uh, low latency compute capabilities. There's a huge push to, to bring cloud services to the eyeballs. So, so I think I think that that's huge. And, that, and that's where I think Iron Mountain. Is, is so well positioned with these 1400 locations globally in metro markets or on the fringe of the metro market still meeting the low latency requirement, uh, which I think is, is, is a, again, where the industry is headed. Uh, additionally, you know, what you need to put up a data center is land, power, fiber, water, I'm sure I'm forgetting something, but, and, and labor and, and, you know, and obviously, you know, the right incentives, but only element that's immovable remains land. Um, so, so, so obviously, you know, I think fiber is important, but with time and money, you can get fiber and power and water pretty much anywhere. The only thing that you can't conjure up, manufacture is land. So, um, so, so land is, is, is to me sort of the, the, the one ring that rules them all. Again, the, the, the play I think is, is the future I think is, is really gonna be take place on, on the edge and, and, and having the ability to, to support multiple deployments in lots of metro areas 
and and I again, you know, you know, if we if we do this right at Iron Mountain, if I do this right, um, you know, I don't think there's a um, I don't think I don't think there's a, a a provider that's better positioned for success. So, edge computing uh, is interesting because uh, it's generally targeting markets that don't have the, uh, the history of demand that you have in places like Northern Virginia or, or Phoenix or, or, or Hillsboro maybe, where you see the data centers getting larger and larger. I mean, uh, you know, Iron Mountain <laughs> signed like a 72 megawatt uh, contract in, in one of its markets. Uh, there's a lot of big data centers being built, but uh, it would seem that the more distributed you get and when you get into edge computing, how do you think about uh, the size property you need and the size facility that that you put on it. How does uh, how, how do you think about uh, approaching edge in, in terms of uh, the kind of uh, uh, the kind of data centers that you build there? Yeah, you know, I think I think what's interesting is that that this isn't sort of your your daddy's edge anymore. You know what I mean? I mean, I think I think the the concept of edge has expanded beyond the traditional telco carrier hotel. That was never purpose built to support, you know, the number of servers per rack, the weight of racks, the cooling required for these 30, 50 plus KVA racks that are being deployed these days. Nor was it ever intended to absorb the, the sort of growth that we're seeing in terms of localized compute. So, so I think edge, the concept of edge is, is being challenged and extended. I still think you're going to have, you know, telco carrier hotels for, you know, major peering and transit hubs, but but most of the compute is going to take place off-site, you know, with some sort of optical long line backhaul connection back to the transit center. Being on the fringe of a lot of these metros is going to be key in terms of being able to provide infrastructure to support this drive of localized compute to the edge. And again, ha having said that, I think it's an important vertical and important market segment but, but Iron Mountain and, and, you know, part of my job is going to continue to be to drive, you know, sort of hyperscale, built to suit land development opportunities in the major tier one markets globally. It's going to be to continue to support a mix of both um, hyperscale co-location and retail enterprise co-location, uh, which, which is what, what makes this super interesting. The ability to have to play in all these different sandboxes, uh, you know, make, make, makes this Iron Mountain opportunity truly unique. With that landscape that that Iron Mountain has with all of these uh, sites, which is not just you know North America, uh, but it's a global footprint because the the company's been in uh, in the business around the world. Uh, how are you thinking about the the growth areas and and where the opportunities are just in terms of geography? The opportunities are plentiful. You know the 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 U.S. and the Americas particularly are are, are pretty mature and uh, tend to be a self-performed uh, geography for most of the large hyperscale customers. You know, Europe and, um, and Asia Pacific tend to be, you know, much more co-location driven for a number of different reasons. One is the demand doesn't always support self-performed CapEx deployment, but it does support a uh, third-party development where you can sort of bring multiple customers together. Also, you know, the, the complexity, the lead times, the scarcity of resources, population density in, in Europe and in APAC, uh, you know, make it strategically very important in terms of 
uh, co-location development. Again, the, the beauty of this is that, that we really have three or four sort of market segments that we're going after, edge, co-location, and sort of hyperscale built-to-suit development. Uh, and I think every region, if you were to sort of break out the globe into you know, the Americas, EMEA, and APAC, uh, will have its own mix in terms of um, site selection development opportunity. And that, again, that, that, that's what makes you know, working for Iron Mountain so interesting and challenging. The fact that it operates on a global scale, the fact that it operates in every one of these market segments, the fact that it's got um, you know, this, this amazing integrated suite of services that are complementary, and, and the fact that there's a willingness for these services to, to sort of work together uh, you know, make, makes, makes my job you know, both challenging but, but, but equally exciting. Given the, uh, the competitive nature of the data center market today, uh, Iron Mountain's had a couple of, of years where it's really, uh, I guess I've, I've heard some people talk about it as a sort of punching above your weight in a way in that, that uh, uh, winning some, uh, some, some big deals and really being uh, very competitive in a tough market. What are the, the, the differentiators going forward from a competitive standpoint? And how does what you do factor into that? I'd argue that we've been punching below our weight. I think we're a heavyweight. I think, you know, we're, we're a contender in this, in this industry. Uh, I think, you know, we're, we're, we're sort of a, a sleeping giant. You know, we've maybe been a little dormant. I think we've had a lot of success. You know, I think, I think Iron Mountain has a tremendous uh, ambition. I think it's got aggressive growth plans and, and visions, you know, and, and, and all I'm doing is I'm, I'm trying to bring, you know, energy and, and you know, experience and um, really just trying to, you know, bring everything together. Again, I, I, I can't emphasize it enough. And I think, you know, at the risk of repeating myself, I, I, I can't think of a provider in the industry that has Iron Mountain's physical real estate footprint 1,400 plus locations worldwide in major metro areas, you know, albeit smaller in size, but ripe for the picking in terms of conversion to data centers, um, you know, asset lifecycle management, you know, records management, you know, physical storage facilities. I mean, I, I can't think of a more complementary, you know, provider for all of your records management needs, both physical and logical. So, you know, I think that's what's going to differentiate Iron Mountain. And I think that's what's going to continue to give the outside world the perception that we're punching above our uh, weight class. Again, my opinion is that we're not. I think, I think there's so much pent up opportunity. And, uh, you know, when, when, when the ambition and the capabilities catch up, you know, I think, uh, I think you know, the industry should watch out. <laughs> So one of the things that uh, that you find the most fun about your your job potential is what I find the most what I find the most interesting. Um, you know, I think the, the potential to, to continue to, to to help Iron Mountain on on this growth trajectory that it's on, and then the opportunity to you know help influence and drive some of the strategy, and and, and then also to learn. I mean, you, you know, part part of what attracted me to sort of leave the the buy side of the industry with AWS and Facebook was to sort of learn the uh, sell side. So dynamic from a you know, financing perspective, you know, there's a lot of equity and debt, and, you know, a lot of retrading activity that takes place. And ultimately, I think it's just going to make me a, a better data center professional going forward. So 
you know, I'm, I'm constantly uh, starved for, uh, you know, growth and challenges. And, you know, I think Iron Mountain records those in, uh, in, in multiples or they're, they're plentiful. So that, that, that's what keeps me excited and energized and, um, you know, really looking forward to the future with Iron Mountain. Well, listen, you know, this industry is, is something new every day, which is uh, one of the reasons that I really enjoy it, uh, you know, covering it for 20 years. And it seems like there's always something new around the corner. Just when I think I've, you know, seen it all, there's uh, it's an innovative uh, sector where uh, some really sharp people are building the infrastructure that uh, sort of drives the whole digital economy. And uh, and it's a, it's an exciting time to be involved in this. So learning every day, it seems, comes with the territory. But it, it, it's kind of like, I always feel like it's one of the things that really makes the job fun. I could agree more. Listen, Ernest, I appreciate you uh, uh, coming on the Data Center Frontier show and uh, sharing your uh, your insights and your expertise. And uh, and best of luck with, with Iron Mountain. And uh, uh, we'll uh, keep tabs and, and hope to, to hear about how things are progressing. Well, I appreciate you having me on and thanks for this opportunity and it's been great chatting with you. And to our listeners, we thank you for tuning in as well to the Data Center Frontier Show, where we tell the story of the data center industry one podcast at a time. Take care, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Data Center Frontier Show. You can find the show notes for this episode at datacenterfrontier.com slash podcast, including links to the resources Rich has mentioned. Be sure to subscribe to the Data Center Frontier show at Apple, iTunes, Spotify, or where you find your podcasts. If you enjoyed this show, please tell your friends or share about it on your social channels. You can always find us on the web at datacenterfrontier.com And follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Until next time.